Welcome to the Nanalyze podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. Become a better investor in 14 minutes. That may sound like a clickbait title, and that's because it is, but uh, I can promise you that after you finish watching this video that you're going to be better for it. So this video was prompted by some questions on our Discord server around what investing books are best to read. Now, I did a master's in business and a master's in finance, and very few books I found in both those programs are worth a read. Uh, there's a few entertaining ones that are also useful. Liar's Poker would be one, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. And of course, if you're trying to get a job in finance, at least on Wall Street, then there's certain books you would have had to read. The House of Morrigan or Barbarian at the Gates. Uh, these aren't overly engaging reads, to be honest. Now, you can look to the experts for um, their opinions about what you ought to read. And for example, Warren Buffett describes The Intelligent Investor, which was written in 1949 as the best book about investing ever written. That's by Benjamin Graham. But who has time for books in this uh, day and age of eight-second attention spans? Uh, reading books is uh, for losers. So today's reading material is quite short. It's about 3,300 words long. That would be the equivalent of about two Nanolyze articles. So if you read at 238 words per minute, it'll take about 14 minutes to read that. That was the title of this presentation, How to Become a Better Investor in 14 Minutes. Now, I don't know how long this video is going to last, but we're going to peruse that reading material and extract the best bits, such as this slide here, which says companies, not stocks. I'm going to be quoting verbatim from this reading material throughout this presentation, and it says, We are not stock pickers. We are business pickers. It's crucial to understand that stocks often trade at foolishly high or low prices, and that this gentleman says the efficient market only exists in textbooks. You would hear us refer to the efficient market hypothesis when stocks go up very quickly, the idea being that intrinsic value doesn't rise that quickly. In truth, marketable stocks and bonds are baffling their behavior, usually understandable only in retrospect. Indeed, the takeaways here being don't try to time the markets. And a lot of people try to understand why stock prices are going up, but usually it's why they're going down. Everybody expects their stocks to go up, but um, rarely is it the case that you can explain it unless there's an obvious event. Always invest in companies, not stocks. Now, the outliers when you invest are where you expect to reap your most rewards. This gentleman says that in 58 years of management, most of his capital allocation decisions have been no better than so-so. In some cases, bad moves have been rescued by very large doses of luck. That probably refers to the beginner's luck. You'll see a lot of newbie investors think that they're a Gordon Gecko, when in fact it's just um, a dose of luck. This gentleman goes on to say, our satisfactory results have been the product of about a dozen truly good decisions. That would be one about every five years and a sometimes forgotten advantage that favors long-term investors. So let's take a peek behind the curtain at one of these secrets of successful investing, and it's the power of dividends. So two examples here. In 1994, this individual bought $1.3 billion in Company A, and back then that was a very meaningful sum. The cash dividend at that time on that 
uh, investment would have been around $75 million. Well, as of last year, that dividend had increased to $704 million. So it's every two years, this individual is getting back their entire initial investment just in the dividend. Forget about the gains in the original investment. This is an asset they have that now prints money. Second example, Company B in 1995, a couple years or one year later, for the same amount, $1.3 billion. Annual dividends from that investment have grown from $41 million to $302. So let's say every four years or so, he recoups his original investment. So over time, it takes just a few winners to work wonders. Uh, also in this presentation or this, uh, this piece that we're reading from, there's a bit on share buybacks that was very informative. It talks about how gains from value accretive repurchases benefit all owners. And there's an example given here of some fully informed shareholders of a local auto dealership, one of whom manages the business and one of the passive owners wishes to sell his interest back to the company at a price that's attractive to the continuing shareholders. When that transaction is completed, has anyone been harmed? Is the manager somehow favored over the passive owners? Has the public been hurt? No. And the answer is that uh, it doesn't disadvantage anyone and it benefits both parties. The takeaways here being buying shares because there's no better use for cash is a bad idea. You'll see some tech firms doing that, talking about it as if it's a great thing, especially when their share price is being pumped. Share purchases by a company, share buybacks, should signal a depressed price. And there's some classic banter. This piece that we're reading from is very enjoyable to read. Uh, statements like this. When you are told that all repurchases are harmful to shareholders or to the country or particularly beneficial to CEOs, you are listening to either an economic illiterate or a silver-tongued demagogue. Characters that are not mutually exclusive. So uh, this is just a, a very... Uh, Engaging read, as uh, is, does inform you, it goes on to say you need to be wary of numbers. So even the operating's earnings figure that this individual favors can easily be manipulated by managers who wish to do so. Such tampering is thought of as sophisticated by CEOs, directors, and advisors. Reporters and analysts embrace it as well. Beating expectations in Wall Street is heralded as a managerial triumph, and this person says that activity is disgusting because it takes no talent to manipulate numbers. Only a deep desire to deceive is required. Bold, imaginative accounting, as the CEO once described his deception to me, has become one of the shames of capitalism. Indeed, accounting plays into a lot of how numbers can be presented. We always say, well, you can torture the data and make it say anything you want. Indeed, that's the case. An example, recent example would be Samsara. We looked at how simple accounting changes can totally uh, change the perception of how investors view that company. It remains to be seen whether or not those criticisms are legitimate. They were certainly subjective, but accounting uh, can be used to uh, fool investors quite often. Now, I'm going to take a pause from this. Before we tell you who this person is, you probably have already guessed who it was. Um, please like this video. Just click that thumbs up. That helps spread the word. If you're not subscribed to this channel, click subscribe. We put out a lot of great research. We don't have ads, so we need your help to support us. And I'd like to thank all our paying subscribers who make this channel possible. So the individual that we're talking about, of course, is Warren Buffett. Company A is Coca-Cola. Company B is American American Express. Now, Mr. Buffett said, 
uh, that um, he is overweight, the USA always has been. He says, I've been investing for 80 years, more than one third of our country's lifetime. Despite our citizens' penchant, almost enthusiasm for self-criticism and self-doubt, I've yet to see a time when it made sense to make a long-term bet against America. I remember going into the office of my mentor in Canary Wharf before I landed my job in finance and expressing my concerns to him about uh, the state of America and, and how I perceived it at the time. And he said, Joe, uh, for a very long time, I've known and, and learned through experience that it's never wise to bet against the United States of America. And that continues to be true. And Mr. Buffett promises us that will be true going into the future. And he then goes off on a tax rant that's rather interesting. I thought this was a, a useful bit of information just to know. During the decade ending in 2021, the U.S. Treasury received about $32 trillion in taxes while it spent about 44 So that's the deficit, right? That $32 trillion of revenue was garnered through individual income taxes at 48%, Social Security and related receipts at 34%, and corporate income tax payments at 8.5%, a very small contribution from corporates. And uh, Buffett goes on to talk about how Berkshire's contribution via corporate income tax was $32 billion during the decade, about a tenth of 1% of all the money that Treasury collected, and that if there were a 1,000 Berkshires paying taxes as he did, then nobody would need to pay any taxes. Rather interesting, but I'll leave you with some gems of wisdom here. He says, at Berkshire, there will be no finish line. In other words, they're always planning sort of like the Japanese do with the 100-year time frame, right? The best uh, investment timeline is infinity. He says, our CEO will always be the chief risk officer, a task that is irresponsible to delegate, and we take a risk management approach to investing here at Nanalyze. Um, my own background is in risk management, both in working experience and academically. Ben Graham said, day to day, the stock market is a voting machine. In the long term, it's a weighing machine. And you can see that refers directly to that volatility we're talking about, the ups and downs and the irrationality. But in the end, you can always weigh that intrinsic value. He goes on to say, there's no such thing as a 100% sure thing when investing. Thus, the use of leverage is dangerous. Remember that. It's very important. You have to keep learning if you want to become a great investor. When the world changes, you must change. And our community of investors here at Nanalyze, in particular on our Discord server, often debate different things happening in the market, different stocks. And it's certainly useful to hear from all the subject matter experts that we've been accumulating over the years. Now, teaching a man to fish is a lot better than giving him a fish and that's why I wanted to point you to this reading material. And if you haven't already guessed, it's Warren Buffett's annual letter. So going forward, uh, you ought to go to this website, this sparsely put together website, and click on that link there for his annual letter every year and read it. So he has letters going all the way back to 1995. I, this quote here, he says, Woody Allen, this is from the 1995 annual letter, once explained why eclecticism works. The real advantage of being bisexual is that it doubles your chance for a date on Saturday night. So some classic Buffett humor. These are very enjoying reads. There's 29 letters there. It'd take you about seven hours to read them all. And I can recall a finance prof having us read one of these as an assignment. I think you could have an entire finance class 
surrounding these letters. They're just a wealth of wisdom. So it'll take you 14 minutes to read the last one. I recommend that you do, and you should read them going forward while you have the advantage of Mr. Buffett's wisdom before he passes on. The top of the page there, see where it says, a little bit of an advertisement. Berkshire Hathaway is re-engineering small business insurance. He never hesitates to sell. And I love this. Uh, I'll leave you with this. At the 2021 shareholders meeting, he says here, Charlie and I are shameless. He's referring to Charlie Munger, his partner. Last year at our first shareholder get-together in three years, we greeted you with our usual commercial hustle. From the opening bell, we went straight for your wallet. In short order, our C's kiosk sold you 11 tons of nourishing peanut butter or peanut brittle and chocolates. And he says, these products haven't been materially altered in 101 years. What worked for C's in the days of Henry Ford's Model T works now. So his example of a timeless business. This picture here is taken from um, one of my favorite places that I call home, Hong Kong. So just to conclude, you're not preparing for an interview on Wall Street, so I wouldn't waste too much time uh, reading books that you're not enjoying. Life's too short to waste time on that. Read content that's enjoyable and teaches you something, and that's what Buffett's letters do. Spending 14 minutes a year listening to what he has to say is not going to make you a worse investor leave you with this last quote. He says, the world is full of foolish gamblers and they will not do as well as the patient investor. So learn how to be patient. Now, I'm going to put up another video here that you might enjoy relating to Mr. Buffett. Before you watch that, please click the Nanalyze logo on the right. Support our channel. We don't run ads. We need your help. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.